see. So today we are reading chapter six of the book of Second Kings, the recovery of the lost axe head. Another good story. I know I say this a lot as I'm reading, but there's so many readings in here that are just so valuable. It's good to see them and to recognize that. So let's get started today and see where this leads us. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. This story of the lost axe head, it illustrates God's concern, his interest in what to us may appear to be insignificant. This was an iron axe head, a very expensive tool at that time. This poor man felt that it was his responsibility. Someone borrowed this tool to him. And so the miracle that we're about to read about, it served to communicate God's heart of love and compassion for this man. It also demonstrated the power of God at work through the prophet, further confirming Elisha's authority and his ministry, and it also increased the faith of those who were there with Elisha. Okay, we're on verse 6. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick, and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand, and took it. Now in verse 8, we're reading here in regards to Elisha striking the Syrians blind. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel, and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him, and warred him of, and saved himself there not once, nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants, and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. 
Therefore sent he thither horses, and chariots, and a great host, and they came by night, and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early, and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. That's good. The spiritual realm exists with a host of ministering angels active in the lives of God's people. Not only is God for his people, but his armies of angels stand by ready to defend the believer and God's kingdom. We should continually pray that God would deliver us from spiritual blindness and open the eyes of our hearts so that we can see more clearly the spiritual reality of God's kingdom and its heavenly hosts. God's ministering spirits are never far off. They are so very close. They observe the actions and the faith of God's children. They work on our behalf. The real battle in God's kingdom isn't against flesh and blood, remember. It's a spiritual battle against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In case you don't see it, there's a cause and effect here. The outcome of spiritual battles is determined by the faith and the prayers of the saints. Okay, let's continue in verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes, that he may see. And the, and the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom ye seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass, when they were come into Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men, that they may see it. The recovery of the lost axe head. Another good story. I know I say this a lot as I'm reading. Readings in So, now, the place you strayed for us. Okay. My apologies. I had an interruption there. I'm going to try to pick up um, where I left off. I'm going to start at verse 17 of chapter 6. This is where Elisha prayed. He said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. 
and he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom ye seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass, when they were come into Samaria, that Elijah said, Lord, open the eyes of these men, that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink, and go to their master. And he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. Now we see famine in Samaria, in verse 24. And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host, and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it, until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver, and the fourth part of a cob of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor, or out of the wine-press? And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son, that we may eat him to-day, and we will eat my son to-morrow. So Israel lost the faith. They departed from their covenant faith in God, and his people began to commit horrible deeds against their own children at a time of severe famine. A big result of casting aside God and his word is the loss of the love of family and affection. Concern for others. Without the love of God, we cannot love one another. Verse 29. So we boiled my son, and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son, that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. And it came to pass, when the king heard the words of the woman, that he rent his clothes, and he passed by upon the wall. And the people looked, and, behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. Then he said, God, do so, and more also to me, if the head of Elijah, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. And here's the prophecy of Elisha. But Elisha sat in his house, and the elders sat with him, and the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, See ye 
how the son of a murderer hath sent to take away mine head? Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door, and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him, and he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? Then Elijah said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, To-morrow, about this time, shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, in the gate of Samaria. Elisha prophesies the shortage of food will soon end, and food will become available, and cost at a normal level once again. Then a lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God, and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say, We will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here still, we die also. Now therefore come, and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight, and left their tents, and their horses, and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent, and did eat and drink, and carried thence silver and gold and raiment, and went and hid it, and came again, and entered into another tent, and carried thence also, and went, and hid it. Then they said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go, and tell the king's household. So they came and called unto the porter of the city, and they told of them, saying, we came to the camp of the Syrians, and, behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied, and asses tied, and the tents as they were. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. And the king arose in the night, and said unto the servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. 
they know that we be hungry. Therefore are they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive, and get into the city. And one of his servants answered and said, Let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, which are left in the city. Behold, they are as all the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, they are even as all the multitude of the Israelites that are consumed, and let us send and see. They took therefore two chariot horses, and the king sent after the host of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. And they went after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. And the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Though the event recorded in this chapter, the Israelites understand the word of the Lord is true. In mercy, God saved the apostate nation from calamity so that they might repent and turn to him, so that unbelief and failure to follow God's word results in further judgment. And the king appointed the Lord, on whose hand he leaned, to have the charge of the gate, and the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died, as the man of God had said, who spake when the king came down to him. And it came to pass, as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel, and a measure of fine flour for a shekel, shall be to-morrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that Lord answered the man of God, and said, Now behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine own eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And so it fell out unto him, for the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died. And now we're moving on to chapter 8, where the Shumanite comes home. Excuse me, the Shunammite. <laughs> um, God sends a famine upon Israel. It's a punishment for their apostasy. We're not sure exactly when it occurred. Likely before the judgment upon Gehazi, but after the raising of the Shunammite's son probably the same famine as the one mentioned in 4, verse 38. Then spake Elisha unto the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise, and go, thou and thine household, and sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn, for the Lord hath called for a famine, and it shall also come upon the land seven years. And the woman arose, and did after the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household, and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. She demonstrated faith. She remained faithful to God's prophet in a time of apostasy. 
For this reason, the Lord guided her and helped her in her time of need. Verse 3. And it came to pass at the seven years' end that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines, and she went forth to cry unto the king for her house and for her land. And the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha hath done. And it came to pass, as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life, that, behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed unto her a certain officer, saying, Restore all that was hers, and all the fruits of the field, since the day that she left the land, even until now, all because of her faith and her obedience. Now we're moving on to Hazel, the anointed king of Syria. And Elisha came to Damascus, and Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, was sick, and it was told him, saying, The man of God is come hither. And the king said unto Hazael, Take a present in thine hand, and go, meet the man of God, and inquire of the Lord by him, saying, Shall I recover of this disease? So Hazael went to meet him, and took a present with him, even of every good thing of Damascus, forty camels' burden, and came and stood before him, and said, Thy son, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, hath sent me to thee, saying, Shall I recover of this disease? And Elisha said unto him, Go, say unto him, Thou mayest certainly recover, howbeit the Lord hath showed me that he shall surely die. And he settled his countenance steadfastly, until he was ashamed. And the man of God wept. And Hazael said, Why weepeth my Lord? And he answered, Because I know the evil that thou wilt do unto the children of Israel. Their strongholds wilt thou set on fire, and their young men wilt thou slay with the sword, and wilt dash their children, and rip up their women with child. And Hazael said, But what is thy servant, a dog, that he should do this great thing? And Elisha answered, The Lord hath showed me that thou shalt be king over Syria. So he departed from Elisha and came to his master, who said to him, What said Elisha to thee? And he answered, He told me that thou shouldest surely recover. And it came to pass on the morrow that he took a thick cloth, and dipped it in water, and spread it on his face, so that he died. And Hazael reigned in his steed. Here we just read, in regards to a vision, the spirit of revelation shows Elisha, Hazael would become king of Syria, and perpetrate evil against Israel. Elisha wept because of what he saw coming, 
all a result of Israel's apostasy. As a man of God, he felt sorrow for God, who was abandoned by his people, and for the people who were now suffering severe judgment for their sins. Jesus also wept over Jerusalem. Paul wept over the church. The words of Elisha do not endorse the cruelty of Hazael, but they do define the terrible practices of depraved humanity. Okay, so let's read on Jehoram, king of Judah now. This is chapter 8, verse 16. And in the fifth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, being then king of Judah, Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, began to reign. Thirty and two years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, as did the house of Ahab. For the daughter of Ahab was his wife, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Yet the Lord would not destroy Judah for David, his servant's sake, as he promised him to give to him always a light and to his children. In his days Edom revolted from under the hand of Judah and made a king over themselves. So Joram went over to Zire and all the chariots with him, and he rose by night and smote the Edomites, which compassed him about, and the captains of the chariots, and the people fled into their tents. Yet Edom revolted from under the hand of Judah unto this day. Then Libna revolted at the same time. And the rest of the acts of Joram, and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And Joram slept with his fathers, and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, and Ahaziah his son reigned in his stead. Now, verse 25, is in regards to Ahaziah, the king of Judah. In the twelfth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, did Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, begin to reign. Two and twenty years old was Ahaziah when he began to reign, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Athaliah, the daughter of Omri, king of Israel. And he walked in the way of the house of Ahab, and did evil in the sight of the Lord, as did the house of Ahab, for he was the son-in-law of the house of Ahab. And he went with Joram, the son of Ahab, to the war against Hazael, king of Syria, in Ramoth-Gilead. And the Syrians wounded Joram. And King Joram went back to be healed in Jezreel of the wounds which the Samarians had given him at Ramah, when he fought against Hazael, king of Syria. And Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Joram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel, because he was sick. So now, as we read in chapter 9, Jehu is anointed the king of Israel. <clears throat> and Elisha the prophet called one of the children of the prophets, and said unto him, Gird up thy loins, and take this box of oil in thine hand, and go to Ramoth-Gilead. And when thou comest thither, look out there, Jehu the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and go in, and make him arise up from among his brethren, 
and carry him to an inner chamber. Then take the box of oil and pour it on his head, and say, Thus saith the Lord, I have anointed thee king over Israel. Then open the door, and flee, and tarry not. So the young man, even the young man the prophet, went to Ramoth-Gilead. And when he came, behold, the captains of the host were sitting, and he said, I have an errand to thee, O captain. And Jehu said, Unto which of all us? And he said, To thee, O captain. And he arose and went into the house, and he poured the oil on his head, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed thee king over the people of the Lord, even over Israel. And thou shalt smite the house of Ahab thy master, that I may avenge the blood of my servants the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall, and him that is shut up and left in Israel. And I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah. And the dogs shall eat Jezebel in the portion of Jezreel, and there shall be none to bury her. And he opened the door, and he fled. So years earlier, Elijah foretold the complete destruction of the descendants of Ahab. God causes the fall of the house of Ahab because it remained stubborn and unrepentant, full of idolatry and apostasy, corrupting the nation of Israel. God's righteous judgment upon Ahab's house, Ahab's son Joram, and Ahab's wife Jezebel, show God will judge all who lead his people into unrighteousness. Scripture teaches quite plainly that God rewards those according to their deeds. There will be tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil. Okay, verse 11. Then Jehu came forth to the servants of his Lord, and one said unto him, Is all well? Wherefore came this mad fellow to thee? And he said unto them, Ye know the man and his communication. And they said, It is false. Tell us now. And he said, Thus and thus spake he to me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I have anointed thee king over Israel. Then they hasted, and took every man his garment, and put it under him on the top of the stairs, and blew with trumpets, saying, Jehu is king. So Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, conspired against Joram. Now Joram had kept Ramoth-Gilead, he and all Israel, because of Hazael, king of Syria. But King Joram was returned to be healed in Jezreel of the wounds which the Syrians had given him when he fought with Hazael, king of Syria. And Jehu said, If it be your minds, then let none go forth, nor escape out of the city, to go to tell it in Jezreel. So Jehu rode in a chariot and went to Jezreel, for Joram lay there, and Ahaziah, 
king of Judah, was come down to see Joram. And there stood a watchman on the tower in Jezreel, and he spied the company of Jehu as he came, and said, I see a company. And Joram said, Take a horseman, and send to meet them, and let him say, Is it peace? So there went one on horseback to meet him, and said, Thus saith the king, Is it peace? And Jehu said, What hast thou to do with peace? Turn thee behind me. And the watchman told, saying, The messenger came to them, but he cometh not again. Then he sent out a second on horseback, which came to them, and said, Thus saith the king, Is it peace? And Jehu answered, What hast thou to do with peace? Turn thee behind me. And the watchman told, saying, He came even unto them, and cometh not again. And the driving is like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshi, for he driveth furiously. And Joram said, Make ready. And his chariot was made ready. And Joram, king of Israel, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, went out, each in his chariot, and they went out against Jehu, and met him in the portion of Naboth the Jezreelite. And it came to pass, when Joram saw Jehu, that he said, Is it peace, Jehu? And he answered, What peace, so long as the whoredoms of thy mother Jezebel and her witchcrafts are so many? And Joram turned his hands and fled, and said to Ahaziah, There is treachery, O Ahaziah. And Jehu drew a bow with his full strength, and smote Jehoram between his arms. And the arrows went out at his heart, and he sunk down in his chariot. Then said Jehu to Bidkar, his captain, Take up and cast him in the portion of the field of Naboth the Jezreelite. For remember how that, when I and thou rode together after Ahab his father, the Lord laid this burden upon him. So Ahab and Jezreel, parents of King Joram, ruthlessly defrauded Naboth to steal his field. Now the dead body of their son was thrown into that very field. The sins of the parents may indeed bear fruit in their children years after the parents' death. Okay, so verse 26. Surely I have seen yesterday the blood of Naboth, and the blood of his sons, saith the Lord. And I will requite thee in this plat, saith the Lord. Now therefore take and cast him into the plat of ground according to the word of the Lord. But when Ahaziah the king of Judah saw this, he fled by the way of the garden house. And Jehu followed after him and said, Smite him also in the chariot. And they did so at the going up to Gur, which is by Ibalam. And he fled to Megiddo, and he died there. And his servants carried him in a chariot to Jerusalem, and buried him in his sepulchre with his fathers in the city of David. And in the eleventh year of Joram, the king of Ahab, began Ahaziah to reign over Judah. And when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face, 
and tired her head and looked out at a window. And as Jehu entered in at the gate, she said, Had Zimri peace who slew his master? And he lift up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? And there looked out to him two or three eunuchs. And he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses, and he trod her under foot. And when he was come in, he did eat and drink, and said, Go, see now this cursed woman, and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. And they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Wherefore they came again and told him, and he said, This is the word of the Lord, which he spake by his servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, In the portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the carcass of Jezebel shall be as dung upon the face of the field in the portion of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, This is Jezebel. I know we went a little long. Thank you for hanging in there. I think we've gotten a very good picture today of the blessings and the curses that come from obedience and faith in God. Each day we must choose who we shall serve. <laughs>